Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you and honor you, Jesus. Take your place here, God. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You know, one, one sister came up during worship at, that I trust and shared a bit of a prophetic word that's being stirred up. It resonated with me. Now, I don't always do this to share because I want to take some time, but this one immediately. Uh, the, the word was this vision of the pool, the healing pool being stirred up, the water's being stirred up, the water's being stirred up. And here's the thing, all week long during Seek Week, um, each night, every single night, there were people being supernaturally healed. And it really, that's an evidence of that pool of Siloam being stirred up. And this, this vision was a sense that the Lord was saying, it's still being stirred up. It's not too, just because you missed Seek Week doesn't mean you missed the opportunity to jump in. And so let's just believe that God would want to touch some of us today and allow us to experience the goodness. So uh, today I have the privilege of introducing someone to you as a guest. Um, uh, Chris Cruz was with us on Friday night for Seek Week, but uh, we asked him to stay all weekend and bring the message. And uh, he's here with us today. Chris is the young adults pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and a friend of mine, someone I greatly respect and admire and appreciate so much. And uh, uh, so blessed that he's with us uh, this week and this weekend, and I hope you just give a big warm welcome right now to Pastor Chris Cruz. Come on up, Chris. Thank you. you can have a seat, church. Get some water. Hi. All right. Good to see you. Yeah, you over there. Hi. The rest of you, I'm cool. Yeah, so my name is Chris Cruz. I'm the young adults pastor at Bethel. I've been at Bethel for almost 12 years now. I worked in our school of ministry for almost seven years, and then the last few years have been. Um, working as the young adults pastor at Bethel. Uh, I have a breathtakingly gorgeous wife. Uh, she's amazing. We met in School of Ministry, uh, and we have two striking children. I have a son named Solomon who is just built like a tank, and he's so much fun. He's got so much energy, and like he, he's, now he's getting into, like, you want to wrestle? He's like, Dad, let's wrestle. Let's wrestle. And it I tickle him, and he's, he, then he just says, no, 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 ah, no, no. He loves it. And then I have a little girl named Pearl. She's just about six months, just over six months. So it's a lot of fun. A lot, we've transitioned into sleeping in the night, so I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could minister to you in love and care if, if my kids were not sleeping. Um, there was a season where my son was not sleeping at all, and it was, yeah, oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so we, we have... Um, we, we, we enjoy life in Reading. We, we've, it's been so much fun to be with you guys. Seek Week, um, I, was tell, I was talking to James. Um, we had coffee, and I was telling him, Seek Week is the established new normals, man. Right. I'm like, that's what it does. Seek Week is not the fact that this is when we seek God. Seek Week is when you establish new normals. Yeah. It's when you establish new places you go with God, and then you get to know that when you reach a new place with God, that's where you start now from there. There's no going back. And you have, you have that place with God, and you get to go from there on. So it was a ton, a ton of fun to be at Seek Week. If you were here, it was wild and crazy on Friday. It was nuts. Some of you were like, what was going on? Yeah. 
When, yeah, I'm probably in the same boat as you. A little bit. You know, I'm like, what did I do? Okay. Yes, God. Um, but, yeah, it's been a ton of fun to be with John and his family. Don't you guys love your pastors? Gosh. Amazing. John and Ann. So great. Um, Ann just comes up to me talking to me about first service in the back, just telling with tears in her eyes, just talking about what God was doing. And I'm just like, man, these are good people. These are just good people. So you, you guys are blessed. Well, I, I love that we get to talk about encounters with God. I'm like, this is, like, let's do it. I love being able to talk about this and engage with this. I know that you have uh, in your awesome little center point um, weekly bulletin, whatever you want to call it, thing, uh, you have a verse from, for today. But I'm going to create a little bit of a context for encounters with God and talk a little bit about that before we get into that exact verse. Let me tell you, testimony real quick is a fun one. Um, so as I said, I'm the young adults pastor at Bethel, and we, uh, we were having our worship time, and we were just doing a normal Tuesday night service, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm transitioning worship, and I, I, I get this word of knowledge on God is healing somebody's just simple word, lower back. And, and this girl um, is on the right side, so if you were in our sanctuary, she'd be right over there, and she, she goes um, down, and when we say that, and she feels this heat go into her lower back, almost like a claw. Well, she was born with an extra vertebrae that would cause her severe pain since birth. And she felt like this claw went into her lower back, burning hot, pulled and then pulled out. And then a cold press on her back. She gets up and the pain she's had since she can remember is gone. Like every day we're talking, living in this pain, gone in a moment. There, there was another girl that we had one time that she, um, she had fallen when she was young and caused this uh, damage in her jaw socket, which then started to deteriorate some things in her jaw. And, and then at one point when she was in a, doing a performance in school, her jaw locked up with such severe pain that they had to put injections into her jaw to try to numb it so much that she could, they could crack it open and do some things. Um, Tons of pain medication for her on a regular basis. Um, she the, the, went to multiple chiropractors trying to figure out her jaw. Tell, we had to wear um, a, a splint every, every night before bed and through the night. And just normally she'd go throughout. Sometimes it would be so painful for her. She couldn't even smile. She couldn't even talk. And she'd perform in arts in school, but then it would lock up with such pain. And, um, and she'd have to go on heavy pain medication because the pain was so difficult. For her, and then um, when we were in our service, in our adult service, I said, "God is healing somebody's jaw," and she she just starts to weep, and she's weeping and weeping, and so she she uh, she gets par- prayer for it, and she experiences something, and she goes uh, goes home, takes her splint, puts it in the drawer, and closes the drawer, and she wakes up the next morning, and she opens her jaw, and a pop happens. And she realizes all the pain is gone. That's what she's living with. And since that moment, I remember sharing it at one of our conferences later, uh, about a couple months later, sharing the testimony of that girl. And her, um, her mom comes up to me afterwards and says, that's my daughter. She's still living in that awesomeness. Like, she, that's still happening for her. So she was radically healed by Jesus. I'm just like, wow, God, I love that. I love that you get to do that kind of stuff. And so the, um, the, the, the topic, encounters, let's go. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about something first to give a little bit of context to encounters with God. So if you want to open your Bibles to Exodus 20, Exodus 20, 
That's where we're going to start to create a little bit of context. We'll go to a couple different places, uh, but that's where we're going to start. The, the idea of having an encounter with God, that you, you can have this experience with him. I'll tell you right now, you cannot have intimacy with God. A deep sense of union, connection, where the relationship with him is so real, you cannot do that through secondhand information. You cannot do that through somebody else. You cannot do that because somebody else has had one. The only way for you to have that radiating relationship with God where it is oozing love and intimacy and connection, where you are aware of his presence, where you walk in your day thinking about him and enjoying him and you're going into your work, whether you're a dentist, a lawyer, or a teacher, and you're carrying the presence of God with you is because you have rightly experienced God, which is you experience him for yourself. That you have an encounter with him for yourself. And, that, and that's the thing, right? You may think that this is, some people often think, especially in Christianity, in the Western church, like this is the goal, right? To go to Sunday and to preach or something like that. When m- m- my frame of mind is that you would get so saturated, saturated with the presence of God, that when you went back to your job and you went back to your week and you walk into your classroom, you're a teacher and you walk into your classroom and all of a sudden, Something is different because you're saturated with the presence of God. Something is different because you're walking in and there's a radius around you. It says that, it says that Saul, when he went up to the mountain to be with the prophets, that he walked among the prophets and he became a new man. Imagine what could happen when you walk into your classroom, your law practice, your doctor's office, and you're carrying this presence of God with you. People come in contact with you and all of a sudden their insides are like, what is going on? What is happening? Because you're going, I just don't think church is Sunday morning. I don't think it's about going to church. I'm realizing that it's about carrying the presence of God. And you cannot carry the presence of God without having that you, your personal experience with him. And people get confused and encounter with God. They get confused. They get confused. They think it's got to be a shake, rattle, and roll. It can be a shake, rattle, and roll. What we do, when, when we say we want an encounter with God, we want to experience God for who he is, what we don't get to do is this, draw a box and say it fits in here. We don't go, God, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like this. We go, no, we surrender. And so it could be that. It could be the slight whisper that's easily ignorable. It could be the whisper that you, all of a sudden you hear just this inner voice that tells you something you never would imagined someone would say to you. Like this, just the simple verse that says, I'm proud of you. And every day you wake up with this great sense that God's proud of you. If you don't think God's proud of you, get ready for an encounter with his voice that says he's proud of you. If you don't think he can be proud of you, get ready. Like, no, God doesn't get proud of us. We're just pesky humans. Like, oh, then you're definitely not a son or a daughter. Anyway, Exodus 20. (laughs) Exodus 20. For some people, God is just a bigger version of their parents. So the idea that God would be a father that is proud and delights and cares and thinks about you and is not just tolerating you but enjoying you, that concept, so foreign. But I'm like, that is what Jesus reveals about the Father. That's what he reveals about the Father. Exodus 20, verse 18, it says, Now when the, all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Imagine you went to center point and that's what was going on when you were driving up. <laughs> You're like, I'm, go- I'm going, I, whew. 
You're like, the, the, you would hear, if you read stories of revival, the Azusa Street Revival, fire trucks would come because the building looked like it was on fire. Ooh, Jesus, scary. The sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us, we will listen, but do not let God speak to us. In this moment, they make this poor exchange. And they say, you handle the God stuff for us. You go meet with him and then come back and talk to us because it's too dangerous to go meet with God for ourselves. And whatever way we can articulate that, it's the cost it will cost us, the fear that we'll lose things, whatever it may be, whatever reason it is, we're like, that, we see somebody's life radically change, we're like, I just don't know. You go handle, pastor, this is why I tithe. You handle that for me. When, when they, they, they see this, they go, I can't go in to that. That's, that's what, for pastors to do that stuff. I don't need to have an encounter with God. You speak to us. You go mediate it. You go take care of it. You go do this. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you that you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off. While Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. While Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. We all have a choice when God wants to encounter us where we, either we can withdraw out of our concern for what's going to happen to us or we can say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to draw near. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to go into this because when we go to encounter God, what this encounter with God is, whether it's a slight whisper or a radical, radical experience, is that you get to do, as Moses said, that he gets to have a face-to-face conversation with God as a man speaks to his friend, that you behold God. And why does beholding God matter? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you're going to put it on the screen. I think it'll be easier to read. I'll save some time. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, you are being transformed as you behold him. See, you become like the God you worship. <laughs> if he's a taskmaster, you, guess what you'll be like? If he's a tyrant who seeks to punish, we become like the God we worship. So, this is crucial. We orbit around our image of God. We, we, we go around it. So when we're looking to have an encounter with God, some of us are not even thinking about it because the way we see God is not one we want to draw near to. The church we like, but God, we're like, oh, I don't know if I can get into that. I like people taking care of these things for me and my family, and I feel good after this, but to actually draw near to him, I'm not concerned. I'm, I don't know about that. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, the invitation is to something so much more wonderful than you could ever imagine. Right. Most people are afraid of, of, of even the will of God because they're concerned it's going to make them do the things they don't want to do in life. They're like, oh, the will of God. You know, I just want to find the will of God, find the will of God. We'll talk about this later, but I just want to find the will of God. And we're like, what we're really, really going is like, I want the direction and I hope it's the one I want. 
Like, I hope it's the direction. And, and, when, and we're concerned to even talk about it because we're like, it's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. When realizing the will of God is not something first taken from us, our lives. It's first something towards us and for us that he is desiring beyond what you could imagine for your life. God does not tolerate you. I don't tolerate my children. I enjoy my children. I delight in my children. God doesn't wake up in the, God doesn't see you wake up in the morning with already starting the day with disappointment. God doesn't wake up in the morning and then you get, God doesn't see you wake up in the morning and come down to the kitchen and start and then go, all right, we're already behind. You're, you're, you're just, you're, you're, you didn't, you know what you didn't do? You didn't pray before you had breakfast. So guess what? Today's going to be a real bad day for you. You get a, oh, you know what, God, I didn't read my Bible this morning. Oh, man, I wish you would have because <sighs> what I'm about to unleash on you now that you didn't, <laughs> I wish you could have just saved yourself from me. <laughs> but we have this. We joke, right? We joke, but we have these paradigms. He's like, and we sing them. He gives and takes away. Oh my we sing this. He's like, he's this bipolar God. He's this God that's like, you know what? Today I'm into you, tomorrow I'm not. And he's inconsistent, so we're inconsistent. We love God and then we don't love him because we're scared of him. We love him and then we're like, I love him when all of a sudden I got this, but now I'm a little scared because that blessing, does it come with a little tie to it? He blessed me today. He probably thinks I should be a missionary. I think he's telling me I need to quit my job. I'm like, no, he asks you to be in your job so that children who would never know the presence of God know it because you're a teacher and you decided to say, I carry the presence of God with me to work. So kids, all of a sudden, who have learning disabilities are being awakened because the presence of God that's on you. Don't try to be a pastor. Do not try to be a pastor if you are meant to be a teacher. It is to fall short of your calling if you do that. If you think I must be a pastor, when you're meant to be a teacher, you are falling short. You are not going to a high call. You are lowering yourself. If you are meant to be a lawyer, that is what you are meant to be. Bring the presence of God with you. Ministry is not a position. Ministry is a lifestyle of Jesus that flows through you, and you cannot do it without an encounter with God. You cannot do it. So we behold him, and when we behold him, we're like him. So we need these moments in our lives where we are regularly beholding him. That's what worship is about. Is that you, worship isn't like I got two fast songs to wake me up and one slow song to make me emotional. <laughs> that is not what this is about. It is about me entering in to the place where God dwells. And I go, you know what? I behold you, God. And in this exchange where I say I love you, you respond with this love that saturates my being. And all of a sudden, I don't have the same cravings I had before where I was trying to have willpower change my life. Now, all of a sudden, I don't even have the cravings because I'm so aware of your love for me. So we all wonder, what's God really like then? And Jesus says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1 says that he is the exact imprint 
Let me tell you this. Jesus is not the nice side of God. He is not the parent in the relationship that's trying to protect you from the other parent that's mad. He's not going, okay, your dad's really upset. So let's make sure you walk. Don't, just don't say anything today. Because he, he's just on edge. He's on edge. And so Jesus is not that part of the relationship. That is not Jesus. Jesus is the exact picture of God. He is the flawless revelation. He is the revelation of God that tolerates no rival. There is nothing in my life that I think about God that isn't connected to who Jesus is. You see, I don't know if any of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night and had to pee. Never. But when I got married, I realized I couldn't turn the lights on. And so I've, I had to figure, you have to figure out how do I, plus you don't want to turn the lights on because you're like, I want to go right back to bed. And you have to figure out how do I get to the bathroom with the lights off? And you recall what the room is like when the lights are on. You're like, okay, I know that I have a bed at, right here. I know there's a dresser here. I know that there's an edge here. I know that that's there. What you've, what you've experienced and known, okay, navigates you when the room is dark. You see, when, haha. <laughs> When life starts to get dark and you're like, okay, where's God? What's God like? You know what it is? No, no, no. How you navigate the darkness is by what it's like when the lights are on. God, what God is like when the lights are on is Jesus. So when you have a situation that you do not understand, you do not get to change God. You let who God is define your circumstance. You don't get this thing to allow it to change God. God changes that thing. And Jesus is what God is like when the lights are on. He ends all confusion. He presses the delete button on all the wrong images we have in our head about him. And he's so excited about it. He's like, I just want to remove everything that you think about me that's flawed because I enjoy you knowing me properly. I enjoy you knowing me as I truly am. So when you're wondering, what is God truly like? He is like Jesus. He is like Jesus. Not Jesus is the side of God that I need when I'm repentant. He is the God that woos you every morning with excitement and delight. Go ahead, let's turn to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. It says this, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, some of your translation says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This question that the leper is asking is a, not a question of God's power. He knows God can do this. He says, if you will, wait, we're back. Yep, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. He knows the ability of the Father. There's not, like, there's not a question here about God's power, and most of us do not question God's power. We're like, no, God's powerful. You're like, you're like oh, he, he's so powerful. He's all-powerful. Like, yeah, he's all-powerful. And the question is, what does a being with all power actually do? 
What does that lead him to do? Does it lead him to control, manipulate, to take what he wants? Like tyrant dictators and poor kings of past. That power corrupts them to the place where they, no, not with God, not with Christ. What power does here is it reveals his heart. And he says, I'll serve and I will. And the next phrase Jesus says is, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. I am willing. We now know the intention of the Father. We now know, because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now I know what God is like around these situations. I do not have to wonder what, it is, what is his will. This is, that word, I'm willing, it's this idea that it is my purpose. My intention, my desire, and I enjoy doing it. God isn't healing us in all areas, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it. He isn't, and we, we're okay with saying God wants to heal us emotionally and, 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 and spiritually, but like when we get to the physical part, that's when we start going, I don't know if it's his will, but it's definitely his will to feel, heal my emotions, but definitely not his will to heal my body. So the emotional brokenness, I can, I can be like, yes, definitely God's will, but physical, hmm, I don't know, because we have that experience that doesn't match it, therefore we change who God is. Other than letting who God is change our circumstance and not let our circumstance change God. Jesus reveals, I am willing. This is who I am. This is my desire, my intent, my enjoyment, my delight to do this. When we're ministering to people for healing, when we pray for them, we're not trying to convince him. We're not trying to go, let me twist your arm enough with my perfect prayer. My son was born, and when my son was born, I'm looking at him in his crib, and I look at him in his crib, and I go, all you can do is cry and poop. <laughs> but everything that I have, my son, everything that I have is yours. And all of my resources are towards you, and you, not ha have, you cannot even articulate one word to me. Everything I have, my son, is yours. I am giving you all of my resources to you to care for you and love you, and you cannot say a word. You can't pray a perfect prayer, son. You can't even utter words, and I tell you, I am for you. But so many of us, when we go to prayer, it's going, I have to convince him by how much I pray. I have to convince him by how much I do. I have to convince him by how often I do these things. And he's going, before you even started, I was intending to do this. Before you even moved forward, I was eager. I was on the edge of my seat. I was not sitting on a throne back in my own lazy boy couch, uninterested in who you are. I was on the edge of my seat looking at you going, this is coming your way, son. This is coming your way, daughter. I am, in, I am set on you. I am running over mountains for you. I remember my son is playing in a playground and he's running around with kids and, and I'm like, okay, he's gonna fall, he's gonna fall, he's gonna fall. And running around and then boom, he falls. I see his feet fly in the air. But I don't see him up. And I run as fast as I can. I'm throwing stuff, throwing food. One person said, white man can jump. I said, I'm not white. <laughs> and I'm jumping over stuff, moving things out of the way. And I pick my son off the ground and I go, I'm here, buddy. I'm here, buddy. I'm here, buddy. He doesn't get, why were you running? Why were you having fun? Why were you trying to figure things out? Why were you doing these things? He hears, okay, when I fall, my dad comes and picks me up. 
I'll tell you, I had a season where my son was not sleeping well at all. He'd get up at one, wouldn't go down till four. And I would go into the room and go into the room and be with him this whole time. I'd watch him as he, he struggled to sleep. And I'm sitting with him. Sometimes he'd have almost like these night terrors and I had to go in and, and he would be flailing his arms. And I'm going, if you just stop flailing, I can grab you. If you just stop flailing, he's willing. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, if you just stop flailing. And then moments where I'd walk in the room and, I, and he's crying and like screaming, crying. And I'm going into the room and I don't turn on the light and go, there's nothing wrong, nothing. You don't have to fear anything. You're good. Look it, we're here, we're here. I go into the room, I sweep him up and I say, I'm here. Why? Because presence satisfies what the heart wants, but not, maybe not what the mind needs. What we think is we need, we, what we're rather, the better way to say it is what our mind wants rather than what our heart really needs. Our mind wants all these answers and his presence comes and wraps us up. And we go, I don't have any answers that I wanted before, but I know you're willing. I know this is your heart. I do not have to fear you. I can walk into the thick cloud. When you know he's willing, when you know you don't, you're not trying to find out what the mind of God is like, when you're not wondering, is this his intention? When you're not wondering, you know, God, is this really to help me learn some humility? When you have answered and figured out, no, his desire is to jump in there with you and say, you know what, whatever the enemy wanted to do, I'll take it on myself. If you don't see the cross as God jumping in, saying, what well, everything that was coming your way is going to come on me. Oh, man. Jesus jumps into the situation and says, everything that was going to come at you is now coming on me. We don't have to hide anymore when that happens. We don't have to worry about being and trying to convince him or trying to move his arm in a different way. We realize that Jesus is perfect theology. There is no question about God that Jesus is who God is. And now when I think about an encounter, I'm thinking about a God who's so present to me. Who's so already, when I turn, he's already there. And he's bursting at the seams for me. David says in the Psalms, who am I that you are mindful of me? He gets into the presence of God and he doesn't find a God who says, I'm not thinking about you at all. He gets into the presence of God and he goes, what? The God who made everything is thinking about me. I say, David, there's not a moment I don't think about you. It's not a moment he doesn't think about you and enjoy you. You may go, but you don't know me. Oh, don't worry, he does, and he still does. <laughs> he still does. <sighs> you know what shame does to us? Shame says, I'll let... My sin defined me rather than his love. When we know he's willing, we don't question this stuff anymore. We don't wonder. When we see a sick person, we go, we know this is God's will to heal you. We don't wonder, you know what, let me spend a couple days pray this and see if this is God's plan. It's like, no, I know that I'm meant to bring heaven to earth. Through my life, as Jesus did. Jesus said, as the Father sends me, I send you. That asked what I'm meant to do. I don't wonder, is this God's will? No, I go, no, it's God's will. Jesus said it. I mean, go, oh, I mean if, Jesus, if God causes sickness, 
And Jesus heals sickness in the the Gospels. We have a God who is actually divided against himself. He's trying to reverse the work that his dad's doing. You would see Jesus go and say, well, let me back up off that. Let that happen. But we don't. We see Jesus get into it and go, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Because he reveals that the Father is willing, desiring, enjoying, delighting in this. God is ecstatic about redeeming people and healing people, making them whole. He is ecstatic. And we go, well, what, what do you do when it doesn't happen? We don't change who God is because something isn't happening. We get to say it's a mystery. I don't understand. I'm not going to lower God to my level of understanding. I'm not going to lower him to my level of understanding. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know either. What I do know is God is revealed in Christ. And that's, that's, that's settled. Close your eyes and put your hands in front of you right now. If you don't see him as willing, if you don't see him jumping over mountains, if you don't see him as one who so delights in you, right now you just need to say to him, I'm sorry for seeing you this way. Forgive me. Some of you need to forgive your parents because you're like, they gave you this definition. And you go, God, I need to forgive them. And I'm sorry that I saw you like them. But now I know what you're like. Now I know what you're like. Now I know this is what you are really, really like. So, Father, I pray right now, hearts that don't see you leaping over mountains, jumping over valleys, crossing oceans to show that you love them, that you're not just tolerating them, but you enjoy them, and that they can encounter you. I pray now that they would encounter your love, that they would encounter your love. They would see you this way. That would, they would have this moment that they hear you right now saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Some of you just need to stop flailing and let him hold you. Let him hold you. Let him be a father to you. You may go, no, I hate fathers. Well, repent for hating fathers because he is a great father. Let it go and let him heal your image of him. That way you can be healed. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for this encounter people can have with you right now. Draw near to him right now. Draw near to him. Allow him to minister to you right now. Where you hear him say, I'm so proud of you. You'd be like, but my life, he's like, I'm so proud of you. God, I messed up my relationship with my kids. I love you. But I messed up my relationship with my, I love you. Oh God, I could have done better with this. I love you. 
But God, I woke up angry with my kid and I snapped. But I love you. God, I'm so hurt by my friend. But I love you. I love you. And I am willing to go into your mess. And then he comes up and says, can I have it? <laughs> He's asking you, can I have your chains? Can I have your chains? Your chains may be your sickness that you're actually walking in. Your chains may be whatever situation in your life. You may be, he's going, can I have them? Can I have your chains? I'll take them on me and I'll take them to the cross. Can I have them? Can I have your chains? Can I have your brokenness? Can I have that situation? I'll take it. Because I love you and I am willing to get into this. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your love is so extraordinary. We thank you that you are the God who, who jumps in. Who jumps in. You're the God who jumps in. You're not sitting distant. You're jumping in. And we look and we find ourselves. We look to the right of us and we find you there. We're like, what are you doing down here? You're God. He's like, oh, I'm so willing to be with you wherever you are. It is my will to love you, to care for you, to lift your head, to, to rescue you from these addictions. So Jesus says over you, if you're sick with anything, physically sick, with any kind of pain, sickness, or disease, the healing word over you is Jesus heals you. Jesus heals you. If you need physical healing in your body, just raise your hand real quick. And I just want to see the people who need it. Say over you. Just keep your hand up. I'm just going to walk across the room just praying over people. If you're around them, you can put your hand on them too. Jesus heals you. 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 All were healed with Jesus. Jesus heals you. 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 Now, church, why don't we all stand together? And if you receive ministry for healing right now as we prayed for you, I want you to check it out. I want you to check it out. I want you to check it out. If there's anybody experiencing a difference, you better tell me. Because whew, everything's impossible with God, without with me, but nothing is impossible with God, so... You better come and tell me if God did something for you because I'm anticipating him to actually move. I don't pray as a token prayer to say, I care for you. I don't do it like, oh, let me show you my empathy. Let me pray for your sickness. So I'm anticipating that he is willing. So if you receive prayer, check it out. Try to do something you could not do before and see what happens. I had a boy who was allergic to dairy in a, such a severe way, got prayer, went to Costco, had pizza, stood on the top of the table singing and worshiping at Costco because God had healed him. Jesus loves you so much. I don't know what their plan or protocol is for people who have never 
never known Jesus and where they go. But I'll tell you right now, if that father is the father you want, you're like, I want that Jesus. And you came today and you're like, I'm here, but I've never known anything like that. I don't know what your plan is. Where do they go? Do they go anywhere? Do you have anywhere for them to go? Because I want to see if you raise your hand if today's your moment. If you've never known Jesus like that, you're like, I want that. And I want to give my life to that father who loves me. If that's you, I just want to see a hand if that's you. Anybody? You want to surrender your life to that father. Anybody here? Okay. Well, bless you. Bless you. He loves you so much. Bless you guys.